Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Sandy Toxvig, and this is We Will Get Past This where I welcome you into my calm room of books, so I can share tales from history of various deeds. Some brave, some baffling, others downright idiotic, in a bid to comfort the soul in this challenging time we find ourselves in. Some of these were recorded with specific dates in mind, but as we've all come to realise, none of that kind of thing really matters. My diary's wide open. There are no rules about when something can be enjoyed, so take a moment to relax and remember this. We will get past this. Hello there, come on in. I've been singing, which is never pleasant for anyone. Well, it's the anniversary of the release in 1967 of Aretha Franklin's huge hit, Respect. And who doesn't want a karaoke to that? I wanted to express myself and I thought singing was my best option. Today is also International Dance Day and no one wants to see me vent my feelings in movement. I'll be honest, my online Zumba classes are not going well. Not everyone is going to emerge from lockdown with new skills. Uh, so respect to anyone who is stretching their minds at this time. I spend a lot of hours reading, well, it's nice downtime from the dancing, and I scan a lot of history websites to see what, if anything, they have to say about women's activities down the ages. This can be a disappointing exercise. Often there are whole days when the female sex appears to have done nothing. Taking the day off entirely, sometimes since time began. I didn't know what we were doing on those days. Tidying the understairs cupboard, perhaps. But then there are other days when I delight at some nugget of information. So, many, many websites will tell you that it was today, April the 29th in 1553, that a Flemish woman introduced the practice of starching linen into England. Really? I mean, I try to say to myself, don't question it. It was a Wednesday. What a perfect day to say to the unsuspecting English, have you ever found your linen to be too floppy? Well, I've got the answer for you. Anyway, Wednesday, April the 29th, 1553, starch turned up. By the Thursday, everyone was talking about what a superb effect it was having on their general appearance. Now, certainly, the starched neck decoration proved a boon for some men. I mean, think about any portrait of William Shakespeare and your eye is drawn to the unbelievably stiff collar he has round his neck. How he even held a pen is a mystery to me, but the extreme fashion item means you concentrate a lot less on how terrible his facial hair was. Right? I mean, nobody talks about it. I can't find a single website which will tell me the name of that Flemish woman, so with an inquisitive nature, which doesn't always serve me well, I found a marvellous book online called Tudor Textiles. Why do I not have a copy of this? Uh, which told me 
that a Mistress Dingen van der Plaats, a refugee from Flanders, taught starching in London in 1564. But that's 11 years later than today's starch introduction date. Uh, from this book, I did learn that before then, Queen Elizabeth I had a starcher of her own. A Dutch woman cared for her collars, and she was known as Gwillem's wife. That's all I've got. Except that Gwillem was also the Queen's coachman, so Her Majesty got a, a sort of two-for-one couple. Is Gwillem's wife, Mrs Gwillem, the unnamed woman for this date on website after website? As with so much of history, I have no idea, but it did make me think about wearing the right clothing for the job. It was also today, but in 1429, that Joan of Arc arrived at the Siege of Orléans. I have a lovely first edition book about her from 1908, which strangely was a gift from Noel Fielding. In case the Siege of Orléans has slipped your mind, this was the watershed of the 100 years war between France and England. I mean, I don't think anybody knew it at the time. I doubt anybody was ticking off the days until the 100 years were over. Not that it was 100, it was 116 years. But you know, after a while you lose count with this kind of thing. Anyway, Joan turned up all booted and suited in her armour. I never know the right thing to wear at the best of times, but I reckon a siege is hard to plan for. You want to wear something protective, but at the same time stand out if you're the leader. What about the weather? Too hot for the full suit? Maybe leave the trousers off? Portraits of Joan always show her in the full kit, but with her hair neatly combed. And here is where detail gets in my way of enjoying such art. I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how she combed her hair. A full suit of armour was made of steel and consisted of some of the finest named pieces in the history of clothing. To be properly dressed, Joan would have needed a gorget or bevoir, spaulders, pauldrons with guard braces to cover the armpits, or possibly bezajous, riri braces, couteaus, van braces, gauntlets, a cuirass with a fold, tassets and a cullet, queezes, polyens, greaves and sabatons. I mean, it's a lot. And the whole thing would have weighed between 33 and 55 pounds. How she lifted a comb to her head is beyond me. And I'm asthmatic, I'd never have gotten the horse. It was today in 1944, so, you know, we're talking full-on World War II, that the Gestapo's most wanted person parachuted back into France to act as liaison between London and the local rural guerrilla band of resistance fighters who were known as Mackie. So far, so exciting and possibly a great part for Daniel Craig, except this British agent was a woman called Nancy Wake. Nancy was born in Wellington, New Zealand in 1912, uh, but grew up in Australia. Well, it's not that far. She clearly had what in the old days used to be charmingly called spunk. Certainly she was renowned for her high spirits. At 16 she ran away from home to become a nurse, then she was off to New York, and finally London where she trained herself as a journalist. Throughout the 1930s she worked as a European newspaper correspondent, witnessing the rise of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi movement. When war broke out she was determined to do her bit. She declared, I don't see why women should just wave our men a proud goodbye and then knit them balaclavas. She'd been living in Marseille in France, and when France fell to the Germans in 1940, she joined what became known as the Pat O'Leary Line, a resistance organisation which helped Allied soldiers and airmen stranded or shot down over occupied Europe evade capture and escape to neutral Spain. Seventeen times she walked across the Pyrenees, taking escaped allies with her. Nancy had a tremendous knack at evading capture, and the Gestapo nicknamed her the White Mouse. She described the ease with which she did it. A little powder and a little drink on the way, and I'd pass their German posts and wink and say, do you want to search me? God, what a flirtatious little bastard I was. 
Nancy escaped, but her French husband Henri was captured, tortured and executed. Still, she carried on with her life in constant danger. She escaped again and reached Britain, where she joined the Special Operations Executive, or SOE, under the codename Hélène. It was as Hélène that she returned to France today in 1944. Vera Atkins, the most senior woman overseeing the French section of the SOE, described Nancy as being good at everything she set her mind to, and that she was a very good and fast shot who put the men to shame by her cheerful spirit and strength of character. Apparently, when she parachuted in, the resistance leader Henri Tadiva discovered her tangled in a tree. He remarked, I hope that all the trees in France bear such beautiful fruit this year, to which she replied, don't give me that French shit. Two months later, she took part in a battle between the Maquis and a large German force, and when the fighting was over, bicycled over 300 miles in 72 hours to send a situation report back to London. In her autobiography, Wake claimed she killed an SS sentry with her bare hands to stop him raising the alarm during a raid. In a book on female resistance fighters, she is quoted as saying, They'd taught this judo chop stuff with the flat of the hand at SOE, and I practiced away at it. But this was the only time I used it. Whack! And it killed him, all right. I was really surprised. She lived to be 98, but late in life she sold her many medals to support herself. It's a little-known fact that the only thing Joan of Arc was ever found guilty of was wearing men's clothing. She wore it even in prison because it made rape more difficult. Cross-dressing, however, was a heretical offence, and she died for it. There is fascinating detail about the seamstresses who made clothes for the special agents of World War II. Their job was to ensure that the agents wore outfits which didn't stand out from the local populace. Even buttons were sewn in the French fashion. Almost certainly, Nancy Wake did all her heroic work wearing a pencil skirt. In the words of Aretha Franklin, respect. Take care. Be kind. Remember, we will get past this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.